And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Boom, April 18th. It's a Sunday, and the Weighing In podcast is going to be live. No, it's not. I'm lying. We are coming back to you, though, after a full week of fights. We had the 1FC show with Christian Lee taking on Timothy, and I can't even say Natsjukin, and also the Bellator show with a ton of great fights. We had the UFC with Robert Whitaker making Kelvin Gastelum look human, and we also had the Triller show, which was kind of like watching the Titanic go down. But (laughs) we will talk about all of these things as we get into a full week of fighting, Joshua Thompson, I have not slept for at least 48 hours. How are you feeling? I got about four hours on the plane ride from D- uh, right. four hours more than I got. Yeah. It's brutal. Oh man. Uh, I actually, I think my next flight out of there, I'm going to probably leave it like 10 or 11 in the morning. I'm not going to gonna- do it anymore. It's the three in the morning, man. My car picks me up at three, and I get to the airport. I get, I get like a McDonald's sandwich. So there's nothing else open in the damn thing. By the time we get done with our shows, on you know, it's like eleven thirty midnight. There's no food available, and the only place there is food is it's like shit food. And so and it's only one spot. The lines out the damn door. You're like, fuck, wait an hour for this. It's what's it? Uh, anyways, are you complaining? Uh, uh, it depends on what you call that. What I just did, <laughs> it really does. Well, you and I are exhausted, and so you guys just bear with us, all right? But there is a lot to talk about, so we want to make sure we get into it. Let's jump right Boy. into. It. I want to just get right into, it, okay? Let's not waste any damn time. We got some time. We got we got a lot to talk about. Christian Lee and Timothy Nastukin. Nastukin usually is the one being the fucking hammer. This time he was the nail. Oh man! If you know, if anyone would have asked me, hey, can Christian Lee win? Absolutely, man. The guy is a stud. He's the champion, but. He needs to get Timothy down, and that's not easy. He's got pretty good, you know, wrestling defense. So, you know, can he do that? That's the question. Well, there was no question about it. He he put him down with a huge left hand that just rocked the hell out of Timothy. And you can't blame him, man. He took a huge shot and could never recover from it. Yeah, uh, Christian Lee just followed him up with just a bit vicious ground up out of the side. Every time Timothy went to get up. He would get wobbled back down a little bit. He just seemed out of it from then on and just got back up to it. And ref was basically just stopped it. It was a good display, though, by by Christian Lee uh, in terms of he knew the takedowns were going to be hard. He shot in, got stuffed, shot in again, got stuffed. Uh, he was setting up with his striking. He was having some success, you know, with, with landing one and then getting into the takedown. But then Timothy Sprawl, he was prepared for it. He knew that's where where uh, Christian Lee was going to have success if he was able to get him down. Wasn't able to get him down. But that's why I always preach this. And even when we get into the Bellator fights, I preach this all the time. It doesn't matter if you get the takedown. You just have to get them thinking about that because that will open up your stand-up, which will make it easier for you to get the takedown. You land a couple hard shots because now they're thinking about the takedown. You land the hard shots. Now it makes it easier for you to get in. They're stoned for a second. They're stunned and stoned. They're stuck in place. They get hit. The, that, that light flashes, and they don't know where you're at for a split second. Well, then you're in on the legs, and they got to defend from there. 
it, everything leads up to it, and that's exactly what happened in this fight. He was able to, you know, Timofey, he went like he was going to shoot, and then he fucking threw the, the left hook, caught him right on the button in the exchange. And, and he still got the hour after that, he got the takedowns. He got rocked, sat him down, jumped on top of him, started trying to finish him. Timothy went to his hands and knees. No defense. If your hands are on the mat, you're not covering yourself. So you're just, your head's open for clean shots. And uh, Christian did a great job. He Obviously, he's a finisher. That's why let's, let, let's make this clear. Timothy Nesukin is the man. That he knocked out Eddie Alvarez yep. when Eddie Alvarez first went to one. That was Eddie's first fight. And it just shows that there's great fighters everywhere. Eddie Alvarez is still a great fighter. Timothy is still, he's a great fighter. He's tough as hell. And Christian Lee, the champion of one, he's proving he's a great fighter, man. He, I thought the only way he would be able to beat Nestukin was through his submission game, and he's got an outstanding submission game. Yeah. Prove, prove me wrong. Yeah, that was very surprised. I was very surprised. I was stunned that he was able to drop. I was stunned that he was able to finish finish him also because but even his ground and pound shots were nasty. Yep. He was picking and choosing the right spots and, and Timothy was just out of it so much there was no defense. Yep. Um overall though, I mean like they, they haven't had they haven't had ble- they haven't been blessed with like good showing like in terms of how the fight I guess for me the the fights have ended but probably not in the favor that they thought that they, that it would. I really, thought Christian, I, I thought you, I think they would want Christian Lee to win. I'm saying, yeah, but I'm no talking about Demetrius it. with Demetrius and the way Eddie ended last time, last week. You know, I mean, it's kind of been a little bit of, a, but I, I'm confused on what they are doing in terms of with one. They're why are they having their main event in the middle of the card? It, it's confusing to me. They do one fight, which they had like the um, the girl kickboxing fight, and then they had the main event, and then they had another fight after that. But it was it's like. I don't know what they're doing. They didn't do that. Well, it's not a live card. They're they're, they're oh, filming. They're filming a show in Singapore. That's correct. And then they're editing it together the way they want it to be put on TNT. And okay. so it's not a live card. But why would you do that? Can you can you maybe? I, I don't know why. Is it be for some sort of ratings? Like well, that, numbers that, up at the highest after the first fight? No, that that way. If you have, let's say you have ten fights, and the ten fights. You know you're going to be putting on your championship fight, but other than that, it's really which fight was the best fight is I'm going to put on. So I, I film them all. Decide this is the, I thought this was the best fight. That's the one I'm going to put on with my championship fight, and that that way you're putting on you're representing your promotion the best way you can with the best fights. No, but they're showing almost like a walkout fight. There's a fight after the main event. That's what I'm confused about. It's, it's, that's what I'm confused uh, that, about. That's their choice to put no. put them in the order they want. Yeah, I don't understand that for actual TV though. I understand having the like one or two fights before, and then you have the you know the the last the, the main fight. Well, it looks it looks really weird when you have the the Christian Lee fight and you got all this confetti going everywhere, and then they have a commercial and there's a new fight and there's no confetti or anything. There's no confetti. There's no... Or they got they got someone with a broom. He's really fast. He goes out there. They're out there with the air blower, one of those leaf blowers, getting all the shit out of there. I mean, overall, though, I mean, like, uh, Christian Lee's good. It's been a while since he fought. I mean, but uh, he's good. He's extremely tough. He's he's the, he, uh, I was going to say, his sister is Angela Lee, and then he's got uh, their younger sister now is also signed by one. I don't even know if she's 18 yet. I think 16. she's 16, yeah. 16. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, tip my hat to him, man, because I actually, I had him, I thought he was going to lose. Really? I thought Timothy Nassigan was going to touch him on the chin. Wobble him a little bit and do it. I thought it was. I thought the rules would be exactly the opposite. I thought I was going to go that way. That's what I thought. But I don't blame you, man. Good stuff. 
15 yeah. and three, still young, you know, Oof. should be good. So Timothy Getting better too. his fifth loss. Um, all right. But then we had, we had Bellator last night yes, sir. and, uh, okay. So there was a lot of stuff, a lot of things. People were like blowing me up on social media about, can you scroll down to the bottom? The very bottom, the very first prelims, very first two. JJ oh. Wilson fighting Pedro Cavallo, and then Mads Brunel fighting Saul Rogers. How come you guys, some of your guys' best guys, are opening the show? Well, I want you guys. Pretty to simple. Understand. It's pretty simple. The UK market is where they reside, where they're from, and we wanted to make sure that the UK fans get to see their fighters fight without having to watch it two or three in the morning and stay up. Like I'm doing this show right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, we wanted that they wanted to make sure of that. You know, that's why you've got Carl uh, Albrecht and also is the he's from Sweden, so he's also in that that part of the world. Now I know that if you go up Paul Semtex daily and the, you know he's up there, but with Paul fifty something fights, you know you can't. I'm sorry, but Paul is that guy who's such a veteran. You can't have you can't afford, and that fight was the barn burner of the night. Just to be and honest. also what you're paying him, you don't want to put him on a prelim. Yeah, we don't want to put him on a prelim. That's definitely for sure. But um, but if we go back down to the the first two fights, uh, great great first two fights. JJ Wilson with a great performance over Pedro Cavallo. It's so so funny. People are like, I can't believe Pedro just fought Patricio, and you guys have him as the first fight of the night. Okay, well we also they you also have to take into consideration, like you said, he's he trades at SPG Ireland, but he also um, but then with JJ and with him, JJ is a rising star, and Pedro coming off of the loss. And then wanted to show Pedro in the UK market. JJ being undefeated and a rising star, it made sense to have that fight go first so the the, the UK market could see him. Same thing with Mads Brunel and Saul Rogers. Saul Rogers is a freaking stud. You know, it just wasn't his night. Mads Brunel came in, had some nice work, touched him up, got some ta- got some reversals on him, and uh, was stuffing the takedowns as the fight went on. Started touching him and touching him, and then threw him into a Japanese necktie. Couldn't finish it. Came back around. I mean, like he's tough, man. Matt, I've said this. Mads Brunel has got the best Japanese necktie in the game. You know, uh, even when you know it's coming, it's still hard to defend. But the fact, and this is what I love about him, the fact he put that thing on. He was putting it on good. But the one thing you've got to do with a Japanese necktie is crush that space, because that crushing of the space is what creates that pressure on the neck and everything. And Sal Rogers, his people were calling out exactly what to do. And Mads Bernays feels, feels it. He doesn't try to hold on to it. He's the one that let go, lets go of it and goes to another. And you have to really respect a guy that's that smart, understands what's going on, believes in his entire game, not just that one catch, mm. and just moves on into the fight and continues on and then catches him later on with a rear naked choke. An uh, absolutely beautiful performance against Bernays. And I loved what he said after you know the fight and the interview. He goes, He's as strong as a rhino. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I've always said, Sal Rogers is the strongest 145-pound fighter I've ever seen. Cool. And I, I say that based upon fights that I reffed him in where he crushed guys like Ryan Hall with strength. Ryan Hall trying to pull off all of these different things. Sal Rogers just crushed him down. Mads Burnell was able to stop that but said, man, is he strong. Yeah. I mean, I guess realistically, it kind of leads up now. You potentially could have Mads Brunel and J.J. Wilson fight, and that would be a great fight. Yeah, you could, but... J.J. maybe a step ahead of him because of the win over Pedro? 
I don't think JJ's ahead of him. He may, may be a, a step ahead of him if you're looking at his fights within Bellator, but he's not a step ahead of him as far as his fighting experience. And that's going to be the one difference that I would say, you know, they're, they're in a close position, you know, you know, within the Bellator rankings right now, but Mads Burnell's Mads Burnell has been in the situation that JJ Wilson is in right now, the undefeated guy. And then going now, all of a sudden he makes that big step up and he wins that fight. But now you got You're going to have that, that next step. And everybody from this point on is good. You're not getting. You're not going to get any of the easy fights anymore, and that's what really determines who you are and what you're going to be as a young fighter. Because the experience will help you. And Mads Burnell had to go through that, and he lost. He lost to Arnold Allen in the UFC, who's a great fighter, undefeated yeah. in the UFC. But it was that experience that Burnell didn't have. He didn't understand how to carry himself in certain situations in the fight. You know overextended at times, got a little tired at times. Now he's not doing those things, and it's because of those experiences. J.J., super young, hasn't made, you know, he's made some mistakes in the fight. He hasn't been caught in them, and he's put on some great performances. This performance against Carvalho was fantastic. I don't know if you want to put him against Mads, though. Yeah, I we got to stop babysitting these guys, John. Oh, look at you, man. You're, gotta stop such, babysitting. you're, you're such a prick. No, no. He's beating <laughs> Taiwan Claxton. Yeah. Beating uh, Pedro Cavallo, who just lost to, you know. Both of those guys guy. were in the featherweight tourney. Both those guys were in the tournament. JJ yeah. could have been somebody that was in that tournament, but not when the tournament started. That was the problem. He's had three fights since then. You know what I mean? So there's a lot. He's grown a lot of things since then as well. He beat T Taiwan after Taiwan was kicked out of the tournament. So he's beaten the guys that were in the tournament. I mean, Mads could be next. I mean, I don't really know. We'll get it. We can get into some other guys as well. But I mean, I mean, Daniel Weichel might be someone. Daniel Weichel might be a little bit too much for him. To me, Daniel Weichel might be too. A lot much. of experience. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, yeah, we get it. Who else was in that featherweight tournament? You know, you don't want him to fight guys like uh, Car uh, Georgie Carcanyan. He's got a lot of experience. You know, you don't want him to fight guys like him. I mean. Uh, uh, Adam Borch, that's way too much experience for him. You know, I mean, well, you, you can go back and you can look and say, well, there was, there was like Sam Cecilia was in it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but Sam, but Sam lost to Pedro and he just beat Pedro. So that's a big, that's a step back. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a guy that beat Sam Cecilia in, uh, in the UK. I think it was Whiteford. Mm, Whiteford. Yeah. I think it was, oh, I'm God, lost on that one, dude. Yeah, it was the last. It was the last fight Sam Cecilia fought, and uh, he lost. I want to say it was something Whiteford, where Sam was beating him until the third round, and Whiteford came on and knocked him out, like in the third. It was a great fight. I think you and I called it. I thought that was in Hawaii. Yeah, Robert Whiteford. Why that was in Hawaii, wasn't it? No. Bellator, London. London. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't call London. it. I think we called it. No, you did. I didn't. Weren't you there? Didn't you go to London with me? So. Nope. No. Negative. Interesting. They separated us again. No, no, no. It's I a think... conspiracy, Josh. Oh, I'm Malilo, telling you right now. MVP Malilo. That's yeah. You were there. You were there. Yeah, you did kickboxing. They had we had kickboxing on that card too. Uh, maybe. Yeah, because Malilo. I, I, didn't, a, I didn't call Malilo those was a fights, last. Though. Malilo was a last minute replacement. Well, if you remember, you called certain fights and I called yeah, yeah. certain fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the yeah, yeah kind of weird like Channel Five and the you know yeah the Showtime stuff. <clears throat> um, or not Showtime, but uh, 
whatever. The zone. There you go. <laughs> the zone. Channel five. BBC. You know. Uh, okay. So those two fights, I thought they started off the the night on fire. You know. And then we got into the the uh, Victor Nemkov fight with Carl Brexton, and with, to me. Carl Braxton is he's tough, he's good, he's gritty, he's grimy, he's good everywhere, he's relaxed on the he, he has <laughs> I hope he doesn't take this personal. You know when uh you remember seeing that movie American Psycho? He has the yeah. su- he has the Swedish psycho look. <laughs> he's got, <laughs> he does he like, got those eyebrows the, going like yeah, the eyebrows that do that. He's always got kind of like that that fedor kind of blank look on his face, like I'm just here to fight and like no big deal, whatever. But then he also went through a phase, I don't know if he was dying his hair or if it's just yes, he was. He was dying it, but it was like it was really white. Bleach blonde. Bleach, bleach blonde. And it was a little scary. It's like and he's does he's somebody he's from Sweden, so he doesn't have really like a he doesn't really have a tan. And so it was just a, you know what I mean? So uh but man, um but he's a grinder. He's good. And for and I was it made me concerned you know what it did? It made me really nervous watching Nem Victor, not uh Vadim, Victor, his brother, run out of gas. Cause I was watching, like, wait, you just trained with your brother. Yeah, you were training with your brother yeah. in the hills too, in right? Hills too, and this is what we're getting out of you. Uh, okay, so what's going on? And he was gassed after the first round. It was the guillotine attacks. Yeah. When he tried to guillotine, he was squeezing. You're going, it's not working. You need to let it go. And he doesn't. You're going. Your arms are gonna be lead. Yeah. You know, when you squeeze hard and it doesn't happen, you, you're you're taking that chance. You better know you have it. And he didn't. You could just, when he went back to the corner after the round, he's sitting there and he's shaking his arms. Mm-hmm. And then Fedor is rubbing his arms out. And you're going, oh, you're so screwed. Yeah. Because you can't get it. You can't get him back. Mm-mm. So. No, you can't. Yeah, you get heavy. And then just Carl was just dismantled him after that. Yep. The problem that I have with Carl is that he just needs to work on getting to his finishes. You know, I mean, he was dominating the fights and in in that whole in every fashion of the fight, there should have been a little bit more emphasis on getting him out of there. Yeah, you know, he had the the same basic, you know, game plan, same basic style when he was fighting in Ryzen. He would get to the top position. He would hold the top position. He would use ground and pound. He just didn't get rid of guys. Yeah. It, it would end up going to a decision. And so yeah, you would like to see him start to Corey Anderson himself into some heavy ground and pound yeah take a look at the ground and pound that Corey anderson is leveling on people you go oh hell mm-hmm. that hurts that ends fights and that's why he's finishing guys yep no i agree Lance um gibson jr oof. god damn he's good for a young guy man i'm gonna i'm gonna give him a knock too i know he's only what four no now yep but a little knock on him too is that he just gotta pull the trigger he was way better than certain on the feet all he had to do was pull the trigger a little more. I think he could have got Stern out of there, or at least sat him down a couple times. You know what I mean? And he just—it's just that I—you had to give I, it to Marcus Stern. Marcus Stern took a lot of shots, though. He did. He did, and he was tough as hell. He kept coming back. Uh, he just was outgunned by the younger, stronger, faster fighter. Yeah, I mean Lance Gibson Jr. is—he's explosive everywhere. He's got good. He's got good hands. Got great combinations. He's just got to be more active. You've got to have more output. And I think, you know, and you've got to do it against guys like Marcus Cern. You've got to go ahead and touch him. That makes you feel a little bit more confident as you go into your next fight. Just just outpointing people, you're leaving. What's going to happen with when you do that is later on, those fighters are going to still always be in it. 
like when we get into the Gaslam and the in the in the um, Whitaker fight tonight, Kelvin's yep. gonna be in that fight to the better to the bitter end. Okay, maybe it didn't seem like it, but you can't take a chance with somebody like that. Now, in these type of fights with Lance Gibson Jr., you got to get Marcus Cern out of there because these guys, they realize the fight's not going to go their way. They just have nothing to lose. They can start doing whatever they want. Big overhand rights, you know, like doing crazy stuff, whatever, trying to do things that we wouldn't normally do to try to get the win. And that's all it takes, something that comes from an angle that you didn't see. You know, and there goes your undefeated wrecker, and then and all the hype behind you that was leading up to is gone as well. You got to get those fighters out of there. You don't get paid by the minute. Just remember that. You know, and that's and it's important though when you're fighting guys like this because you also have to remember that these are your moments, sure, to get the rounds in, but they're also your moments to work on your finishes under the pressure. You know, and under the bright lights, it, you can get them in the gym all day long against people, yeah. but when you get out there. Do you, do you do you fold? Do you do you panic? Do you rush it and you miss it? Like these are the people that you get it against, so then you can catch it and transition against better people later on. Just my thoughts on it. That's true. Um, Raymond Daniels able to finally get the win without the nut shot. Uh, you know? know, there was a nut shot, but he's the one that received yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So then he fought Peter Sinodic. Uh, it was a rematch because of the double nut shot that Raymond gave him last time. That would have crippled anyone for months. I'm surprised he didn't have to go to the doctor get oh. it drained. <laughs> You know, Brutal. but you you have to you have to actually. I'm going to say this: you got to give Raymond Daniels so much credit. I give Mark Munoz credit. Okay, well, but it's you got a guy who's 40 years old. He has been an incredible competitor in all these different forms of stand-up. You know, from karate tournaments to kickboxing. You know, being in glory, all those types of things. An incredible record. He was in you know the the Chuck Norris you know World Combat League. That, that didn't have a ring he's done it all and to now learn how to be a mixed martial artist because look he tried to fight when he was in you know he went to strike force long ago and thought you know oh with my style of stand-up no one's gonna you know no one's gonna be able to get into me and take me down and he got taken down and choked out real fast and you know that's what can happen when you don't have the skill set to stop that takedown so he went and he's learned it you know, at an elder age, as far as being a competitor, he's still getting better. He's still learning. And man, he is what you call a true martial artist. He is, he's pretty impressive in what he can do because the types of techniques he uses all take a lot of energy yeah. and he's going, you know, I, I'm impressed at how much he is, you know, throwing out there the way he is and can, in a five minute round. God damn, that's a big output. Yeah, I would have, <clears throat> I would have never have thought he'd be the one instigating the takedowns. He started doing it and realizing he was having success in the second round. Yep. He got one. He's like, you know what? This is easy. He's like, and this guy has nothing for me on the ground. I feel comfortable here landing some ground and pound. If I get too caught up in it, I can just back out, get back to my feet. It also too showed some fight IQ in terms of it gave him gave him a second to rest. Yeah, your opponent carry your weight, and yeah. I can hang out here. And he didn't have to move around. It was everything's kind of good. It's like, there you go, man. You're, yeah, you're you're using a complete game. Now you become even more difficult for your opponent. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, because he was getting in. He was getting deep on the body locks right to the takedown. Yeah, just beautiful. You see the out, you know, lock, blocking the leg, going to the backside. He did everything really nice. And you go, way to go, Mark Munoz. You caught him well. <laughs> it's good though. It's hard to get. Well, you know, it's hard to teach old dogs new tricks, and he was able to pick it up.
I'm giving him a hard time because he's he seems like he's like not any older than say 31, 32 when you meet him. Right. You know, um, I mean, guess for like we knew what was gonna happen with the Steve Mowry fight. Um, I figured uh, let's go to the Paul Daly Mossy. Let's fight. go right to the Paul Daly fight. Come on. What is it with Paul Daly in these first round fights? And I know it was a second round. It was in the second round. Yeah, that I mean, first round was gives give me flashbacks of the name. Oh, it was. It was, and it's only, it was ten years ago that 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 fight happened, so it was perfect. If you guys have not seen the Nick Diaz and Paul Daly fight, it's the probably to me it's the greatest one round fight in history. But we saw this was probably one of the next greatest one round fights in history as well that I've seen. It didn't go one round. It went two, went into the second round. This is not a one rounder. Yeah, it's not a one rounder, but it didn't go long into the second round. No. So, but I mean, Hamasi, Hamasi came to fucking fight. Yeah, he did. It was impressive what he was doing. He he was landing the cleaner shots. He threw the straighter punches. He got in there, dropped Paul, rocked Paul, dropped him twice. You know, had him off balance a bunch of times. You know, but Paul had him in serious trouble. Paul talking about his jujitsu, but he found ways to get into that body lock and that jujitsu. That that portion of his game saved his ass. Oh, saved his ass from, you know, learning how to like turtle people up. Basically got into the butterfly gar, sucked you up, held him there until he could get his wind back and try to work his way back up to his feet. You know, um, Paul just got his black belt. I didn't see a whole lot of submission attempts, but I did see some some uh, jujitsu on the bottom in terms of making sure that he was in positions where he wasn't taking damage. And at the time that he was able to do that, that was a time that most people's brains just shut down and they don't know what the hell they're doing. And the the seasoned veteran and Paul Daly came out it was amazing. Sometimes you know, he's he's either so on or his his mind is so off of the fight. He's always dangerous, but you can always tell when he is really into the fight and is competing to his best. Because there's times when he doesn't compete to his best. Yeah, and. uh He's, he, you know, we, he talks about him, and you know, he'll talk about those times, like when he fought Rory McDonald. He just didn't compete. But this fight, and he came to compete because he could have just said, "Oh, this is too much," and thrown it in, and no one would have said a word, and Homasi would have walked away with a big time win. Yeah. But when Homasi knocked him on his ass the first time, he's you know trying to get himself straight, and then he gets knocked backwards, and Homasi is all over him and landed some big shots, big knee. And Paul Daly just hung tough. And, yeah. you know, by the end of the round, he was coming back. Yep. You know, and then second round, he just took over. And it was, I think it was how much Homasi put out trying to get rid of Paul really affected him and stuff. But just a great fight by both guys. It reminded me a lot of the Ryan Scope and Peter Queeley fight. Yeah, very well, much. Ryan Scope had dropped Peter Queeley at the beginning of the second round. And tried Peter to- Queeley was in trouble. Yeah, he was in a lot of trouble. And then Peter basically... Gutted it out, gutted it out, and endured all that punishment. Was able to get back to his feet, and Ryan Scope just shut down. It was like a little bit of a, an adrenaline dump, and just it was all over. He just folded over. Little, little bit different. I'm not, and you're, you're right. The fights are, you know, and what Queeley did was beautiful, but Homasi didn't shut down. No, he he just got hit with big shots. Yeah, you get hit with big shots. Yeah, you, anybody can be put out. Well, you know what the worst part, like for for fighters, I think what the worst part is is. You had a dominant round, but then at the very end of the round, he got hit with two big knees against the fence. Oh, yeah. And then he got hit with a body shot, too. 
Daly hit him, boom, one knee, two knee, and then ripped the body, or it was like one knee, and then he ripped the body and grabbed and kneed him twice right to the head. And that will take the wind out of you right before your one-minute break. And so you're going back, not breathing to your you corner. spend most of your time trying to get your breath back, and there's no recovery time. And so when he came out, he was extremely flat-footed. They both were when they walk out. It was like a slow walk to oh, the, the cave. Come on, did you, did you take a look at both their faces before yeah. the start of that second round? Because they're both looking like, holy shit. Yes. <laughs> this is... This is not quite the way I thought this was going to be. I thought I was going to be able to do this better. <laughs> you know what, I, what I like, though, is that at the very end, both of them had a lot of great things to say about each other. And yeah. Paul Daly, over the years, has definitely become more of a, I won't say sportsman, but he's become more. No, he has. Yeah, and it's, he's just, he's found ways to, like, give positive feedback to others. You know, he's like, he's like, you know, nobody's ever. You know, outside of I think he said he goes only Nick Diaz only knocked Nick me Diaz. on my ass like that. You know, and so it was it was good for him to say a bunch of good things about Hamas, you know, and, and so it was nice to see. Yeah, but it was a great fight, man. What I, a way to start so, that card off, though. So glad that that fight was the first fight of the night. Um, if we got good in, job, the, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> good job, John. <laughs> we kind of talked people into changing that one. Yeah, and we then the reason why had to. Did, yeah, I mean it. Well, what it was is we were leaving the main card with uh, with Julia Budd, and she was fighting Silva, and so we rolled right in. And we had two girl fights on the on the last the last show, and so um, both fighters deserve to be on the on the main card on the last show because both were in line for a title shot, you know. And this card here, you know, the Julia Budd fight being the she's a former champ being the main event on the prelims deserved to be there as well, but not not quite on the main card. Uh, Dirty Dez, and just so everyone knows, that's her nickname is Dirty Dez. Okay, I'm not calling her Dirty Dez. Her nickname, that's what she uses. So Dirty Dez and uh, Vita <laughs> fought for the title. Dirty Dez coming up in weight, you know, and uh, she's tough as tough as nails. But it was, it was, we were expecting fireworks, and it was a good fight. It was a good you know? fight. Um, but, yeah, it's just hard to live up after the Paul Daly fight. Yeah. Just crazy. But uh, but overall, look, when we get right into the Corey Anderson and Yark Samaradoff, Sir, Yogg's had me a little concerned in that first round. Like he was gonna, he was touching Corey with some shots, and the very beginning of the third round, the very beginning of the second round, he was he hit him with a nice overhand right. I was like, ooh, Corey's gotta be careful. And then Corey got to the wrestling. He not only hit him with a nice overhand right, he hurt him. No matter what Corey wants to yeah. say, that that spinning back kick. Uh, no, he did a spinning heel kick that came yeah. up, and it hit him similar to what happened with you when uh, you fought Eve Edward, mm-hmm. hit you in the neck. It takes your balance away, and it, it, your mind is still there, but your ability to coordinate your balance and everything is off. Man, my, my co-host do me dirty like that. Bring up old news. Yeah. <laughs> old, wow. Bring old news. Yeah. <laughs> old news. No, it's true, though. It's a short circuit. Like your my, my eyes were still open. I still could see and feel, and I could see everything happening, but my, my functions weren't moving. Yep. It was like I could see my face just directed going towards the floor. I was like, no, put your hands up. But nothing was moving. Just face. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Um, I had the same thing with, uh, what was his name? Hermes Franca, same thing. Caught me with a punch right when he caught my kick. Hit me with a punch. And I was like, gosh. Or I caught his kick. And see, I don't even remember. Cause there you go. <laughs> knock the, the memory me. right oh, out of you. Hit me face, face down, ass up. I hit the ground, woke up. I was like, oh, my God, shit, fuck, I'm fighting. But, uh, yeah, uh, Corey, though, I thought Corey looked phenomenal. I mean, he is – we know he's good. He's good everywhere. 
-hmm. And he gets a lot of criticism for being chinny. I don't think he's chinny. He just, the guys in that weight class are just got power, man. They've just got power. It's not only that. I think, I think Corey's biggest problem in his, uh, his losses is he was trying to fight a specific style that pleased somebody. You can't do that. You got to fight your style. You got to fight. No, I go out and I'm going to use my stand-up. I'm going to use my wrestling. I'm going to use the tool that I think is appropriate at a specific time in the fight so I can get my win. And I think where he was fighting, he, he felt like he needed to have these spectacular knockouts, which led him to stay away from certain times when he would go for a takedown and take someone down. And look, he has got an incredibly heavy base and his ground and pound is fucking vicious. His elbows, man, he puts a lot of steam on him, man, and he's hurting people. I, I've been, you know, with Yagshimuradov in the cage. I've done you know, a couple of his fights, and he's good. And I've seen him when someone has taken him down, and his ability to, to keep from being hurt. You know, by the end of that fight, Yagshimuradov was beat to hell. Yeah. Very, and it wasn't a whole lot of time that that you know really was taking place there was a lot of damage done in a pretty short amount of time by Corey, and against a guy that's a really good fighter so Corey's looking great right now yeah what it was was when we talked to him in the fighter meetings during the week and he said i what i needed to do was you know i went down when dc brought me in to help him train for stipe he's like and then it was the reality check that dc was like you're He's like, you're pretty much like the second best person I've ever trained with outside of Kane. You know what I mean? Like in terms of, you know, the I'm going to put that little two cents in there, by the way. But it was, and he, he told him, he's like, I, you're, you're, he's like you're, you're one of the best guys I've ever trained with, if not the best guy I've ever trained with. You know, he's got great conditioning, his cardio for days. Brian Bader talked about, you know, they had trained together for the Phil Davis fight. He's like, the guy's a machine. The guy doesn't get tired. He just keeps coming and keeps coming. And he's like, he's got good wrestling. He's got, he's dominant position on top. You know, he's got, he's fast, he's fast twitch. He's got fast hands, all those things. So um, Ryan thinks he can beat him. Ryan thinks that he's got, he's got the way to beat him. But Corey also believves he's like, no, no. He's got the way to beat him. Yeah. I I feel like I have the way to beat him. He's like, he, he called me up the train. Did you see now? And this is, you know, these are the things that, you know, I thought Ryan said it best because you asked him, well, hey, Ryan, how, what are those, you know, I don't kiss and tell. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the way, honestly, it should be. Yeah. You know, what happens in training is training. It's not, you start to get into, oh, I beat that guy. No, you didn't beat anything. It wasn't a fight. It's training. But Ryan had his thing that he was doing. And then when Ryan was up in the cage and, you know, Corey and him were just before they faced off, Corey, Corey looks, he goes, yeah, it's going to be you and me. You remember those training days? And, he, and he's moving his eyebrows like, oh, yeah. And he's definitely believing that he got the best of those. Ryan believes he got the best of those. We'll see yeah. who was accurate. Yeah, I, you know, I think that the age is going to play a factor. Ryan Definitely can. Older, it's the two hundred five one weight class. I think Ryan is better at heavyweight. I do too. It's it, yep, yep. And so I just think that right now it's it's the change of the guard, Corey. It's Corey's time. You know, I don't know if he's going to win this tournament, but it's his time, I think. And he, he had a dominant performance against Yag Shemiradov. Uh, You know, and we're going to see that fight. So that's the fight that's going to happen next. Hey, hey, hey. Well, if you know, and 
if you're Corey Anderson, that confidence that you got from a guy named DC about him telling you, hey, I'm telling you, of all the guys I've trained with, you're you're right at the top. That's the kind of thing that he needs, and now it's it's showing. And if you're talking about being in this tournament, it's the absolute right time to have that confidence and to be getting better with what you're doing as you're going up into this tournament. Corey Anderson is peaking right at the right time. Yeah, he's going to need to peak, though, because he's got on the other side of the bracket, though, too. So he's got to get through Bader first, but then you get to the other side of that bracket, you're going to get one of those. Oh, animals. Well, he's only going to get one of three. Yeah, you're going to get one of three, but it's still going to be one of those three. <laughs> and not one is a good is a good choice. No, it's a, they're all tough fights, man. Um, but you what know, I love you, about that tournament. You know, you get Vadim Nemkov and Phil Davis. is the second time that Vadim has beat him. I was concerned watching his brother Victor fight and gassing out in the first round, at the end of the first round, going to the second. And he just had nothing. It was the same thing over and over and over again. I'm like, oh, man. Because Nem- Vadim has had problems with his conditioning to the point where, you know, he he's he is almost like a bigger version of a Michael Chandler. They don't know how to pace themselves. You know, they, they think that when they're on top, they have to always be going. Instead of finding and picking and choosing your shots, conserving your energy and getting your getting that deep breath for your body to recover, they continue to push through. So when they get when they do finally stop, they're completely just wiped out. He's had those problems before in the past, but he said he's remedied it. I thought he looked great going to the fourth and fifth. I was concerned about the fourth and fifth round. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked about it a lot on the broadcast because he'd never been past three. And the fact that we've seen him get so tired to the point where he couldn't continue, you know, uh, before in the past. And but that's not him now. And he's spending time now training the mountains, you know, up in the, I don't know, they said somewhere in the Russian mountains, which I guess apparently like is six or 7,000 altitude. So, I mean, if, if he's going to, if he's going to start taking it serious, which he's going to have to, he's going to get one of the, the other guys on the other side of this, uh, the bracket here with the AJ and Yoel. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be fireworks. Whoever he has to fight is going to be fireworks because, to me, I think, and AJ is my boy. Anthony Johnson's my boy. And I think I think he's got a great chance of beating Yoel. But what we don't know is the mystery of Yoel Romero. He's 108. He's hard. He's had a hard time making 185 for most of his career. <laughs> and if he's not going to cut weight, he's going to be fresh and ready to go. He's going to cut think, 10 pounds. His, his output will be, I think, it will increase because he doesn't have to cut weight. At 44 years old, trying to cut, you know, 20, 30 pounds, he won't have to do that now. He'll have to cut just, say, 10 or 12 pounds. Come on. Huge difference. A huge difference on what's going to happen to him, I think. I mean, we've seen him slow down so much in the third and the fourth round and fifth rounds when he's fought to the point where he, like, throws maybe 10 to 12 punches or 15 punches in one round, you know, and he never shoots anymore. He doesn't wrestle at all. Now he doesn't have to worry about that. He can just fight at 205, and he can – probably cut about 10 pounds if that you know and he's gonna get in there with uh, he's he's to me is the dark horse of this whole thing because of his wrestling you know um he's a better wrestler as much as age is my boy age's problem has always been wrestlers and guys that are better wrestlers than him those are the guys he's lost to as guys that could take him down and get to a submission yoel can take him down i don't know if yoel, yoel can hold him down or if Yoel can do it more than more than once around, 
But we've also seen Yoel, how nasty good he is on top. So if Yoel gets past him and for him to fight Nemkov is scary because Nemkov will push into him and make him fight at a pace he probably doesn't want to fight at. So I think Nemkov has a good chance of beating him, but he's just got to avoid getting hit. Because one thing I saw against Phil Davis, he's able to get hit. Oh, yeah. Chin gets touched. You know, and Yoel's got some power. Yep. So that's scary to me. Um, I think this. I think the style fight and matchup though is if I would like to see AJ and Nemkov, but that's not a good fight for Nemkov. I think the speed and the power of of him, of of AJ, is is, is not a good matchup for Nemkov. I I would say that there's a big difference between the two, and and if you're looking based upon the Nemkov, you know he he comes forward and he likes to attack and he sticks his chin out at times, and. If AJ touches your chin, I don't care who you are, you're going to have a problem. So it's going to affect who you are for, for several moments, and those are moments that you can't get back. Yeah. So it really it's interesting, though, because I, I look at exactly what you're saying with Yoel. There's so many elements in this that that weight change is, I think, huge for Yoel. I think that 205 pounds, that's a 20-pound difference mm-hmm. that he's not cutting. Yeah. That's a huge huge difference yeah and i think he's gonna feel good there uh he's gonna be stronger he's gonna have more energy you know he's he's a genetic freak anyways as far as you know he's i know he's 43 years of age as far as you know his biological age but not not when you look at him you go nope just different so it'll be interesting him you know because he has that going for him there's things that, you know, with Anthony, Anthony hasn't fought in a while. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe that won't affect him at all. Maybe it will. We'll see. But there's a lot of factors in that fight that makes you, you know, it's a toss-up on who's going to win it, which is what's great about it. What people have to remember about Anthony, though, is that he, through even throughout his whole career, he's not a fighter that took a lot of damage because no. people were so afraid to stand with him. That he was the one not taking damage. He wasn't the one taking damage. It was his opponents. And so they were always trying to wrestle and take him down. And they got tired. And then he would knock him out. You know, or they would they would come in. He would roll into an uppercut. He has one of the quickest jab to the switch head kicks in the game. And he's not flexible at all. But he can get it up there. You know, and he, <laughs> just, he showed just the other day on his, on his, uh, his Instagram page. He still has it. He was sparring with one of the guys there. And he did the jab to the switch head kick. And just grazed the top of their head. I was like, and, you know, and, and for the other thing, too, is I think Henry Hoof just gave him some sparring. They have like a sparring belt champion in their gym at Sanford MMA. And AJ has it back. He's all on the champ again until Tyron Spong comes back. <laughs> <laughs> until Spong goes back. He's like, so, you know what I mean? So for right now, AJ is the champ, which means he's got his rhythm back on track. So if he's touching people and putting some hurt on people, I mean, yeah, he's with Brandon Vera. <clears throat> Bam, you want to talk about a guy that can kick? Yeah. People have no idea. Brandon could kick. I was I, we, we were working out one time. It was Keith Jardine, and we were doing pads, and I was holding the pads for Keith, and Keith is kicking, and we're doing all kinds of different angles and stuff. And Brandon goes, hey, hey John, will you hold the pads for me too? And I said, yeah. And I'd been doing it with you know Keith for five minutes for the round. So Brandon steps up. He kicked it one time. I was so used to the power of Keith Jardine that my hands hit my face so damn hard it almost fucking knocked me out. <laughs> oh man that hard man i was like oh it's a big difference okay 
Yeah, yeah. He gave him the AKA for a little bit, and I could see him hitting, uh, kicking the pads with Hob for a little bit. Ooh. Yeah, he's got some power, man. He's got some steam. Got them Flintstone feet too. Yeah, <laughs> got big legs. But Vadim, to me, I thought he looked good. My frustration was more with Phil Davis, and Phil is Phil is he's a great person. We all know that, and he's and just what love he's, the guy. Yeah, he's a great guy, man. Yep. And uh, love love being around him. He's got the energy of just like fifteen kids. He's got one of the best personalities. Anyone you know, if you ever yeah. meet someone, such a kind guy, such a kind heart, funny. You know, tell stories that are great. Just a just a great he's person. He's great. So, um, but we talked to him all week. Phil, excuse me. <laughs> Why are you yawning? No, you know what? Come on, baby. Phil, you know, Phil, you're gonna <laughs> use Phil. You're gonna use your wrestling. You're dominating with the wrestling against Nemkov. In third the, round, Phil. Third How did it round, go? How did that round, third round go, Phil? <laughs> Jesus, man. Not no no takedowns. Yeah, I mean, what I really thought is I thought Phil was going to try to. It's, I didn't think Phil was just going to shoot for takedowns because he just doesn't do that. But I did think that he was going to utilize the clinch a lot more, crush the space on Nemkov, take away a lot of his outside game and some of the speed that he has by getting in the clinch, by putting him in the cage, by beating up his legs with knees, just, just dirty, you know, grinding. Randy Couture style because he's got that ability with his wrestling. Nope. Turn it into a damn kickboxing match. Yeah. Yeah. Like here, like if you go back and you watch the history of, of Nemkov from the Albrechtson fight to, you know, to the other fights that, you know, in the other promotions as well as when he got into Bellator, every time someone has forced him to grapple early and as, and a lot, they've had close him up. They, yeah, his, his arms blow up, you know, like he, like his brother. Brother trying to hit that 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 guillotine. Yep. After that, his brother wasn't the same. If you do that to him, and you just stay on him and do that to him, I think he slows down just tremendously, at least for about two two and a half minutes. You know, he slows down a lot, and those are your well, opportunities to pick on him. His first loss was to Yuri Prochaska, mm-hmm. and it was in Ryzen. It was the Ryzen tournament. I refereed it. And if you go and watch that fight, it was Yuri putting pressure on him, but Vadim was winning the round. He was he got great positions on Yuri. He hit Yuri with the bigger shots. Yuri had a couple little moments in there, but by the end, you know, they're both tired, but Yuri uh, goes for a takedown. Vadim kind of stops him, gets on top, and the round ends with Vadim on top in guard, and he rolls out. And is on the mat, exhausted, can't get up. And that's how the fight ended. I stopped the fight because he couldn't move and I wasn't going to let his team pick him up. And he couldn't get up. He was exhausted. And it was based upon he had to grapple a lot with Yuri and it blew him up. And, I, you know, obviously he's not the same fighter. He's learned from it. He's grown and everything. But that is a way if you're looking at how do I, you know, get this guy to slow down some. Go back and watch those fights, man. The the blueprint was written. Albrechtson did the same know, thing next fight. Same thing next fight, man. He he watched that fight. Goes okay. That's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And you know he he I think it was a split decision, but he he, he beat him. Yeah. You know, he hasn't lost since. But yeah, that but I feel like that's the way. That's the way you got to get through. It is the way. 
you know? So um, we saw him slow down after Phil did, like you said, press him to the fence a little bit. Even when, when Vadim gets tired, what he does is he starts to shoot himself. Yeah. You know, and that's not, I don't, I don't advise that at all because he'll shoot. He doesn't go to the body lock. He shoots. And yeah, he's so, try, he tries to drop levels. And, yeah. And his, his change of levels, he's bending his back because he's tired. Yep. And it's not yep. good. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he still has some kinks to work out, but, I mean, he's he's, he's gotten good. a lot better. Mentally, he's gotten a lot better. Um, like you said, the first time he fought Phil, he's like, I can't believe I'm fighting Phil Davis. That was his whole That was his whole thing. That's, he's like, that's why I felt like I got tired. And I was like, no, you got tired because Phil was making you wrestle towards the end of the second round. You know. Well, and, and all, he also hurt. uses, and you can go back in the Yuri Prochesca fight, the Phil Davis fight. He uses these big moves. He'll... He picks guys up a lot, you know, burning a lot of injury, energy, picking a guy up to, you know, try to bring him over, trying to, you know, he'll he'll blast his way out of a submission hole. Someone tries to put submission, he's picking him up off of the ground. That's Those are big moments in a fight when you're burning a lot of fuel real fast that it's going to take you a while to get back, you know, in the fight. So he's got to learn, you know, when do you use that power and, you know, explode like that. Well, yeah. there's times that you do it, but you got to be judicious in it and smart because if you're hitting that gas pedal all the time, eventually you're going to hit that gas pedal and there's nothing left. Yeah, like I told you, he he, he reminds me of like a bigger version of Chandler. Like Chandler did that with Hens, uh, Benson Henderson, the first fight. Yeah, you know, He just had nothing left in the fourth and the fifth round. It was just like Ben started coming on and there was just nothing there. And so um, I feel like he has moments like that where he needs to start realizing where he can rest and get his win back, take that big deep breath. You know, you've seen guys like Forrest Griffin, myself, I do it all the time when I was fighting. You just take a step back and go, <sighs> let it all out. Come yeah, forward. Get it all out and then go. It's like you need that moment to just do that. And then if you don't do that, like you're just you're running on fumes. You never get that second wind. So yeah. but I thought overall the fight the fight card in the night was good. There was a couple fights in there that didn't live up to the potential, but um that's gonna happen. Yep. You know, um, but overall, I thought the fight was a good night, and I think the the tournament fights were good. You know, they're very uh, evenly matched. Corey just was a next level above Ryan Bader and Phil Day, or not Ryan Bader, but uh, Nemkov and Phil Davis. You know, lived up to the hype in terms of a rematch fight, and then of course Paul Daly stole the show. I thought, I thought yeah. it, was, it was Paul Daly and Hamasi. The two of them stole the show. Hamasi's a stud. You know, uh, I know he's still young. I think he's 31, 30, 31 years old. You know, and Paul Daly, 38 years old. Still, man, still got it, man. Got he power. has slowed down a little bit in the in the, in the the speed on the hands, but fuck, he's got power. Still, when he throws, he, man, he turns everything into it. Yeah. I, I still, and I say, all the time, he's got the best left hook in MMA. When he throws it, just watch the way he throws it. I just look at it and go, that's, that is freaking art. Yep. Because it's just perfectly done. It has so much power on it. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. Well, he hit Hamasi, I want to say, with one knee against the fence. And then he backed away for a split second and rotated his whole body and dug yep. that left hook to the body. And then grabbed the head and kneed twice to the head and rocked Hamasi. And then the bell ended like yep. another 10 seconds later or something like that. But, I mean, it was he started coming on towards the end of that first and was like, hey, I'm not, I'm not done yet, buddy. Yep. I still got some room in it. So, but overall, I thought it was a good night of fights, and uh, you know, and then one I thought you know with uh, with uh, Christian Lee and Timothy Nasukin was a good fight, and uh, we're gonna roll right into the UFC. So UFC tonight. Short. What's that? 
It was a oh, little short. Yeah. <laughs> but UFC tonight. So let's go UFC. Let's uh what fight what fight do you want to talk about? Where do you want to start at? Uh, down. I can see. Well, if you know, if you go down just real quick, I thought Tony Gravely against Anthony Burchick. Anthony, I thought, fought a really tough fight. Anthony's I've known him for a long time. Gravely is a tough dude. Uh very uh got a lot of power and I thought Anthony gave it everything he had. When you, yeah. when you're looking at a fighter and you say, "Man, did he? Did that guy give it everything he had?" I thought Anthony did. And so, yeah, he lost. But Anthony, you know what? Great fight, man. You went out, you, you did everything you could. He just had the power, and you got hit multiple times to put you down, and they ended up stopping it on you. But you know, that was a fun fight. It was a good fight by both guys. Yeah, they were rolling around like little ferrets in that first round. Oh, at times, yeah, that was good. Uh, Austin Hubbard and Dakota Bush. I think Dakota Bush maybe learned a lesson in that fight. You don't have to be flashy. Yeah. You don't have to be this, you know, take a look at what Austin Hubbard did. And I've watched Austin, you know, a couple of times now, and he, he's not flashy. He doesn't do anything special. Like he's just, yeah, he's just very composed. You know, he tries to stick to his game plan. And, you know, he, he did a great job in that fight just – Doing his thing, fighting yeah. his fight, and taking over and making someone get tired. Well, Dakota Bush also to the adrenaline dump. I think you know, yeah. he's making his debut in the UFC. Yep. It's his dream to get there, you know, and and it it showed. He had a lot of energy in the first. When we got to the second, it was gone, and then yeah. he just never recovered either. That was it. And it was some of the shots he was taking. He was taking some good shots that started to just make that train get a little bit off of the track. Gerald Merchart and uh, Toes. That was a nice. That was a nice fucking submission. It was very nice. Yeah. On the ground, Gerald is good. You know, that was a that was a good submission against a good fighter. Congratulations to him. Does that, they said did they say that puts him up in the tops of submission. Okay. Uh, uh, Sorry, 22 or 24 is what he had. I can't remember, but I think it was 22 or 24 submissions. I think is what he has now. Overall, not in UFC. He's got 24 submissions. There you go. Overall, okay. Yeah, it's on his record. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jessica Penny comes back with a tough fight, but gets the Ooh, win. What'd you think of that? How did you uh, judge that? I had I had Godinez win it. I had. I, I think I did too. Loopy. Yeah, I did too. But you know what? I'm not mad the other way. No, I'm not mad the other way. But. Because the reason why is, like, when you throw somebody off of you, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but she did a couple of them. When you look, you yeah. know, there was the one time it looked like she tossed her out like she Yeah. She had the double leg and then just threw Oh, man. She went to the ground with her, but it, it really it didn't do anything. So it looks good, but if you're a judge, I mean, I, mean, I don't know how much you scored that. What do you score that? Like just I, I scored it like it was, you know, it was one shot because she hit the ground hard. That's about it. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I it see could it. be so much more. Yeah, it could have been, but I just Jessica, I felt like was trying to mount the attack. She had more. She had the back, the almost what three quarters of the second round. Yeah, she's you know she had finishing positions. She I think I want to say did she finish the first round on her back? I think she finished the first round on her back too. Yeah, but she lost that first round. No, I I thought so too. I thought so too. Uh, the third round was kind of like an up in the air. 
But then really, the third round was the one whoever you gave the round to is who you're going to yeah. give the fight to. So you gave Jessica the second and the third? Or you, oh, sorry, you didn't give her the third. No, second. I gave Loopy the first and the third. The first and the third? So you gave Jessica the second? I think so. I yeah. Might be uh, wrong on those. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, she's got to work on just keeping her chin down or something because she, she throws, she keeps her, she is, she throws and seems like everything's open. She gets hit at the end. So it's just a bad look. Like the judges, what do they score? They score basically the last thing they saw. So it's just that shot that lands out of the exchange. But, uh, but like I said, I'm, I'm happy for her. You know, I was cheering for her. Uh, she's been out for four years because of some bullshit, but, uh, you know, she's back now and. She's, uh, you know, got got back on the winning track. Came back with a win. That's Congratulations. Nice. Yeah, that's nice for her. It was it was a close fight. Um, so the Romanov other... and Espino. Okay. What a disaster! It was horrible. <laughs> horrible. Well, all right. Let's talk about the ending. Okay. What'd you think? I mean, all I, you know what I think is. I got on Twitter shortly after, like within like say five minutes after the fight, where they were trying to figure out if he was gonna get up or not. Yeah. And uh, guess who's on Twitter, fucking talking about how the judging and scoring should be. Oh, like, let's our boy let me, Aljo. Let me get <laughs> fucking fucking guy can't pass a camera or a fucking tweet without speaking up. Gosh, man, they just need to strip him, dude. It's embarrassing. Like, dude, no, no. The week after his fight. Anytime he'd post something, there'd be like, there was like a hundred messages. Now he posted it. It was like 15 minutes. It was up there. None. No, no one no, no, no. cares anymore. No. Like just dude, get off of social media. You, you, you're, you just go, go full heel. Just, you already, I think you've already have, you just haven't admitted it to yourself yet. <laughs> um, I don't know, John, what do you think? I mean, oh, I, here's my question. How do you have a guy who basically he would disqualify a fighter for a foul all right we'll say that the aljamain sterling just the referee disqualifies peter yawn on a foul because it was a knee to the head and it, it was definitely a knee to the head and gave the fucking title to aljo okay and now you have this fight and a groin shot and i don't think it was a hard one but a groin shot ends the fight ends the fight now did the right thing went to a technical decision but how is it a, uh, if a foul is based upon you taking points based upon the severity of the foul and the effect it had on the fight well if it ended the fight should you have taken a point hmm. Hmm. It can't be inconsistent consistency is everything and you've got to think about these things and be consistent in what you do. When you're all over the place, that's when you go, you never know what the guy's going to do. I don't know what that person's going to do. I don't know what. Be consistent. If you're going to stick with, I'm going to be this guy that, boom, okay, be consistent. Well, he's consistently fucking it up. So he's well, on Thank track. you very much. I mean, he's it's consistently like, fucking Come on. Back. You know? Um, I, but did the, did the right person win by the rules, John? Well, by the rules, yes, because it was simple that the fight ends. The judges had already judged the first and the second round. They judged the portion of the third round. I don't know which way they went with it, but it was basically your, your a technical decision is basically just a judge's decision with a 
limited amount of time in that final round. So. And that's what they should have done with the Aljo and yes. Peter Yon. Yeah. Yeah. And so then Peter Yon would still be the champ. Yeah. Yeah, because he had won the all, all the rounds. But he should have taken points if he had done that too. So it's yeah. all good. Gotcha. Louis Pena, violent Bob Ross, came away with a big win against Munoz, I thought. Now that's the scoring as well. Do you think he won? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't I think he won either. And he's my boy. He's a but I, and I, I really right. like him, so I kind of was rooting for him. But, uh, I mean, I like the way he finished the fight. That's mm-hmm. that's the big thing that I look at, you know. But you've already turned in your other scorecards. So, you know, you had to give the first round to Munoz. He's got multiple takedowns. He did some damage. He hit him hard, hurt him, you know. So, but... It, again, by the end, I thought Louis Pena was looking better, so mm-hmm. I can understand it. It's one of those, you know, I, I was okay either way, but I, I thought Munoz probably won the fight. Yeah, I thought Munoz won the first two, and I thought uh, Pena won the third. Yeah, on yeah, the third, and just it just didn't know output. You've got to yeah. have output, man. Like that's the thing. He was touching him clean with some good stuff, and he was having success. You just got to have more output. If you'd had more output, you would have done a lot better. And, man, he had some great defense. There was one part where on the double leg, Munoz got in, and he was full hip down. Oh. He through and switched his hip, and I was like – and he was, like, in the splits, one oh, leg I'm, out. I'm like, hell yeah, my boy, look at that. That was dude, nice. With the way he brought his leg around to get yep. into that almost split position, I was like, dude, if I did that, my hip would go yeah, – It was broke. horrible. It would have broke. It was really nice. Yeah. Really nice. That would have pissed off Miss McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I thought, uh, I thought. look, I'm glad he got the win. He's been on the opposite side of some shitty decisions yes, as well. Has. So this time uh, it went in his favor. Yeah, nice job for Louis. You know, but that's, that's, that's the problem when you leave it in the judge's hands. But in this case, it worked out for him. And I like to see him win because he, he's very talented. He's talented. You just got to have a little bit more output. I actually, to be honest, you know, he was at AKA for years. Uh, after the Ultimate Fighter, he came over with that group of guys, um, and but the biggest thing was is like he just he, he's gotten better. He he left here not as good as he he looked there at ATT. The last his last two fights at ATG he's looked good. Yeah. And he wasn't he didn't look this good at AK. I did I did like uh, Michael Bisping's question to him at the beginning. He says on a scale of one to ten, how confident were you that you had won that fight? He goes ten. <laughs> <laughs> This being's like this being sitting there going, "You're lying, you're lying." He's a good dude. He's a good. Yeah, dude. he is. I used to teach my kids. Some he'd come here sometimes and teach the kids wrestling program for me at my gym. So he's a good kid. Uh, Tracy Cortez and Justin Kish. Good fight. It was. I thought it was a really. They both fought hard, and I feel bad for Justin Kish because she fought her heart out. Yeah. She she gave it everything she had. It was split decision, so. I didn't think it was a split decision. I think neither did I. I thought. I thought Tracy won it. Yeah. Tracy's good. Not to mention. She is good. She's tough. She's hot. Ah, that's why you like her. Yeah. That's no, why you I, thought she did good. But I told, I told, I wanted Bellator to sign her years ago. Years ago. But she was, you know, relatively like, you know, um, new. It wasn't, you know, she, I think she only had like three or four fights, something like that. She's good, though. 
You know, her wrestling's on point. I didn't realize she had been working with uh, Henry and uh, Henry and Henry's brother, or whatever, since she was younger. She she I hit, she hit that nice little inside trip. I think it was her first takedown in the first round. It was nice, and then she got on top did some nasty ground and pound. I was like, oh damn, pretty heavy ground and pound on top. Got some power on top. Yeah. Damn. But no, very impressive, man. Very impressive. She's very marketable. She's got a great story. I mean, she everything about her, you know, that was the biggest reason. Like back in when uh, I was like, hey, man, like she's she's good. She's got a presence about her that you can market. Bellator didn't snatch her up. I'm a little mad. But it is what it is, man. It, is the way it, is. it was great watching her fight. I'm glad she's having success. Uh, she's still undefeated, right? No, she's 9-1. Oh, she's 9-1? Okay. 9-1. Okay. 9-1? Yeah. She's a little ball of energy, though. She's going. She's smooth. She doesn't waste. She's not a lot of wasted movement. You know, she needs to clean up the stand up a little bit. Uh, she keeps Just her time. Head, she keeps her head right in the center of the line when she throws. She got hit with some clean shots. You know what I mean? So, but uh, yeah, but she'll stand and throw. Yeah, she will. Yeah. No, but she. It was. It was. Uh, it was good to see her fight. I had seen like clips of her. I'd never really sat and watched one of her whole fights. This is the first time I've ever sat and watched some of her whole like her whole fight. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, okay. Uh, Andre Arlovsky. You're going right past Jacob Malkoon. Yeah. <laughs> that was nothing against was him. Nothing against him, but no, just, on just just had nothing for it. Couldn't solve the takedowns, and it doesn't look like this ever since that knockout loss that he had. Um, who do you have the knockout loss to? It was no, the other guy. Hassan, uh, K- no, Chaos, Chaos Williams, I think. Chaos Williams. No, Hassan. Yeah, Hassan had a, that his last. Yeah, he just beat Abdul Razak. You want you want his yes, kill loss? Yes, I want his loss. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Well, if you're paying attention, be clear. We were clear. You got to listen to the damn show when we're talking. He lost his last loss. I think was to Chaos Williams, right? Yeah, you know that knockout, like it had an effect on him. Yeah, I don't know. You know it's, uh, that's his third loss in a row, man. That's, yeah, well, I mean this 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 fight, all it was, he just got outworked. He got out. He got out wrestled. Yeah, yeah, he had no answer. And once he got to his Dude. back, it was. But he took some big shots. Yeah, he got. I'll give it. Jacob landed some good shots on him, but, but Jacob looked good. But that's the point, though, John, that we were making about the Phil Davis thing that I was saying. Like, you don't have to get the takedowns. I told oh. Vita the same thing after when you know, when I saw Vita's fight against uh, Dirty Dez. I said, you don't you didn't have you don't have to get the takedowns. You just got to make them think about it. That opens everything else up, and that's what opens up the stand up, which makes the takedowns easier. And then if you start landing the harder shots, the takedowns are easier. If you start getting takedowns, the the, the stand up starts getting easier. You've got to mix it up, man. Make it an MMA fight. You know, that's been that's been the downfall of Paul Daly's career his whole life. Like he could have been a world champion, I believe. I mean, he was on the rise until he met, until he met Koscheck. But I mean, he's always had the potential of being a world uh, world champion. He just couldn't get out of his own way in certain scenarios. Yeah. Certain situations. But fuck, man, that guy's good. You know, and and a, you know, a lot of them like with uh Malkoon or whatever, he got a great wrestling. Hassan just had no answer. And you could just sell like once he started losing takedown after takedown, the frustration set in. It was like, okay, I'm just gonna settle in. Yep. That's kind of how it goes. Um, Andre Olovsky, I thought, I thought he looked good. I was getting a little kind of frustrated listening to the commentary. I normally turn the commentary off, uh, but I actually kind of like Bisbing, so I, I kind of like to hear him talk. Um, I can't, you, I just can't have Bisbing and DC together. 
because the two <laughs> of them talk over each other and it drives me absolutely insane. Um, but the two of them, so like with, with Bisping though, I was getting a little frustrated because Arlovsky was having success with the kick in the first round, and all they kept talking about was Chase Sherman's kicks, Chase Sherman's kicks. And I'm like, no, that man, Chase Sherman's leg was getting killed. You could see Sherman's, like, he was already kind of, like, switching to Hubble a square in. stance. He was kind of not putting weight down on the leg. And I'm like, how are you guys not seeing this? Like, one or two kicks, and you could tell he was already kind of, like, going to that square stance, not wanting to be kicked there anymore. And I was kind of mad at Arlovsky, too. I'm like, how do you not fucking see this? Like, what the fuck? But, uh, you know, and Andre just kept going to the box. I'm like, keep going to the kicks. I think finally he realized at the end of the second that the kicks were having an effect. He started going more to it. In the third round, he had a lot more success with it. But uh, but overall, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. When you're beating yeah. the young bucks, baby, yeah, do it for us. I mean, shit, the guy's been doing it longer than me. 20 wins. That's his, that was his 20th win in the UFC. Damn. That's pretty good. That's insane. I think he's tied number four is what I heard. He's tied for number four. He was gone, though. Remember, he went to the PA, uh, World Series of oh, Fighting for a while. Hell, yeah. Dude, he went to he went to World Series of Fighting, went to Affliction, done all kinds of... Anthony, remember, Anthony broke his jaw. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that. That's when that's the, that's the fight. That was the last fight that Anthony had for World Series of Fighting. They brought him back in the UFC. Yep. And then he fucking broke Noguera's jaw. <laughs> Stole his soul the next fight. That was in San Jose. Yeah, that was in San Jose. Jesus, man. Vicious. That guy's... I wonder how many careers he's ended, AJ. <sighs> Vicious. All right, okay. so let's get into the main event. Whitaker and Gassam. Okay, guys. Let me just reiterate what I said last week. Let me say this. Does Whitaker deserve a title shot? Absolutely. No doubt about Will it. Will the UFC give him one? I don't, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I, you don't think so. I don't. I don't know, and I don't think so. Um, and it's nothing like I'm not. I don't have anything against him. I like him. He's really damn good. And the, and the key tonight for him against Gaslam, he throws the straighter shots. Yeah, Gaslam loops everything, and, and he also throws in combinations hurt. with his hands and his feet. his feet. You know, he did the two things. He did those things together really well. And I will give Bisping a little bit of credit, and Tom Cruise also. He uses his footwork. He slides in and slides out. Gaslam has to cover the distance. So what he does, he jumps in and jumps out. And then when you're in the air, it's easier for you to get hit and knocked off balance. But for the most part, you're talking about one guy who's using a multiple, a multitude of skill sets. Mm-hmm. You know, because Whitaker was he's using his hands, he's using his kicks, and he was using his takedowns. He took Gaslam down multiple times with beautiful body lock takedowns, you know, put him on the ground and just had made him think about it while well, you're watching Gastelum. And for the most part, what are you watching? You're watching a guy that's boxing. Yeah. He's just going after him with his hands. He's a limited fighter. And and you just look at the difference and it's like, yeah, I understand. I know why this guy's winning every round. He's giving you more to deal with, and you're only you're giving him one thing that he has to shut down. Yeah, he shot he shot a couple takedowns. He got I think he, I think he got one, but then Robert just popped right back up. He pushed down yeah. on the head and slid out and got back up to his feet. I mean, Robert Whitaker does everything really damn well. He does. He, he stuffs takedowns really well. He he pops back up to his feet really well. He's got great combinations. The fact that he is uh, he throws that head kick on that side against southpaws. 
He knows how to mix it up as well. And he does everything. He goes full combination right to the head kick or full combination to the inside leg kick. He does everything very well. Now to talk about the the Izzy fight and this and, and Whitaker, do I think he deserves it? Absolutely. Will yeah, they give does. it to him? I don't think they will. He beat Gaslam now. I could see them giving him Marvin, Marvin Vittori first because now Gaslam and him train together, give the two of them a fight against give uh, Whitaker and Marvin Vittori because that fight was supposed to they were they were supposed weren't they matched up before? I don't know. No, it was Vittori was matched up with who and they just pulled out. Darren Till. Darren Till. Oh, Darren Till. Okay, so, but I'm saying I, I think they're going to try to slide him in to fight Whitaker next. But that's who Darren Till is. Who Izzy wants to fight? Yeah, he's but he's got a broken collarbone. Yeah, he got injured. I don't know. Yeah, Adam Piccolotti just broke his collarbone too. Yeah. Yeah, his surgery on that. I think that guy's had a run of bad luck. He tore his knee. Just got back from that and then fucking broke his collarbone. That's fucking shitty. Hit the ground wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a sh- that's shitty. Um, but yeah, I think I think Darren Till broke his his collarbone as well. So that's but Whit- Whitaker overall, he looked great. I mean, for the most part, he dom he dominated a guy that I think is a really good fighter, mm-hmm. a fun fighter to watch. A guy that's got great power in his hands. Kelvin had no answer for anything that Robert was doing. Well, even on the ground. Robert Robert punched his way into the body lock and he picked him up like he was nothing and threw him on the ground. And that's that, that's that. And the only reason why I'm saying this is because that just shows you that Gaslam's that tweener. He's not a big guy for 185. He's not, he's just can't make the weight at 170 or depletes himself so much that the performance won't be there. So he doesn't make weight. He doesn't make weight. I don't think he has ever made weight at that. I think one time. Did he one time? Okay. But yeah, I, I, look, I like him at 85 because he is a dog, and he'll get in there and just get after it. <clears throat> but he, he's a, he's a smaller guy. But it was and it was shown tonight. Every time they got into that clinch, Whitaker just picked him up and threw him down. But overall, I think that the the story of the night was that Whitaker threw the he mixed it up and he threw the straighter punches, and they got there first. And that was kind of to me the story when I was watching it all. So it was a good performance by Robert Whitaker. Do I think he's going to get a title shot? I don't think so. You're going to give him somebody else first. Just my opinion. Hey, I'm not dogging him. We'll see. No, you're not dogging him. I'm not saying you are. He should get it, but I don't know if he will. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, All right. Well, let's take a look at this. Let's go weighing in on the odds. With mybookie.ag, use the promo code WAYNEIN. They'll give you a little extra spending cash. And you guys should have taken advantage of last week's promo that we had, which was also the promo code WAYNEIN. But they gave you a little extra money as well to bet on Ben Askren, which gave you more money to bet on the UFC, which, you know, in turn was all the way up to $1,000. So, yeah, you could have got up up to another $1,000. You put $1,000 in, you could have got another $1,000. This week, that deal is off the table, so don't go there thinking that. (laughs) But go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code Wayne in. They will give you a little extra spending cash. So for the Masvidal and Kamaru Usman rematch, let's see. What do we got here? Masvidal is plus 310, and Usman is minus 410. There is no over-under on it right now. Mm. Yeah, you you and I, think, like, and as much as I love George, man, he's, a, he's an OG. I don't think he's going to beat him. I don't either. But you know what? I, I am going to take one thing away. It's not that he from, can't. 
No, not I, that he can't. He obviously can come away. You know, he, he can land a good shot. Anybody can be hurt, and he could definitely come away with the win. But I just think Usman's going to end up taking the fight. Yeah. I, the one thing, though, I wonder if he took anything away from the Gilbert Burns fight. Because Gilbert had clean, you know, he was able to touch Kamaro a couple times and got him rocked, remember? Mm-hmm. Got him hurt a little bit. Yeah. And I wonder if he's going to take anything, if he can take anything away from there. It was the uppercut. I think the uppercut to the left hook, I think, is what landed into that overhand right. I think is what it was. As I recall. But anyway, it was, uh, if you can get anything from that fight, it's really the boxing. You know, you don't want to throw any kicks against him because he's going to snatch that leg and take you down. You're never going to get up. The whole fight will change after the first takedown. That's just my opinion on this. I mean, and because I've just I've seen Usman do it too many times to everybody else. After one takedown, the second one gets easier, the third one's easier, and then you just they basically have just succumbed to like, okay, this is the way the fight's going to go. Fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I mean, are you taking that bet? As far as are you ta- would you bet would you bet four ten to win a hundred? Yeah, over over George, knowing that the outcome is going to be that way. Man, yep. You're a brave son of a gun. Yeah. <laughs> you're a brave son of a gun. I, I just look at you. You've already seen him fight once. Yeah. All right. If you look at odds on a rematch of two fighters, where one of the fighters is older and he lost the first time. I will tell you it's probably 90%, 95% he yep. loses the second time. Yep. And so and I'm not I'm not that's not what I'm going off of but that just seems to be that's a another thing out there. I just look and say Usman's getting better. I'm not saying George is not good and George has got great skills and I love George as a fighter, I love him as a person. I just don't think at this point matching them up that I think George has the skill set to beat that guy he's got the skill set to beat certain guys that are really good but they fight different than Usman and Usman's style is a smothering style and if George can't get away from him he can't do what he does best so. you know what concerns me a little bit about it is that Usman's getting a little bit better on the feet mm-hmm. that success with his jab he just cannot forget his wrestling in this fight he's got to make he sure. hasn't. no he hasn't he hasn't but with the Gilbert fight he stood a little bit more I felt than he should have why I understood that. I understood, but <laughs> okay, he, because he, he, he only trained with him for how long, and had been yeah, submitted yeah. by him. You know, how, in, how in practice, he, so. he knew how good he was on the ground. Yeah, but I felt yeah. like you know Gilbert was having the success on the feet, which was crazy. You know, uh, Mazadal doesn't have that grappling. He's got the wrestling like takedown defense, but I don't know if it's good enough to stop the the Usman. He's not so, a threat on the ground. Off of his back, he's not a threat. No, but he's hard. To, he's hard to hold down. That's yeah. You know. Uh, Rose is plus 155, and Whaley Zhang is minus 190. See, that's to me, that's a it's, it's a fair, fair odd. I, I look at Rose, and you know, I, I think she should definitely be the underdog in it. I, and I look at as I look at the fight, I think as the fight goes longer, Whaley has more more odds of winning the fight. Mm-hmm. I think Rose needs to get rid of Whaley by the third round. If she doesn't get rid of her by the third round. That's where I think the problems are going to start, because Rose tends to be very strong and uh, sharp in the beginning rounds, and it starts to tail off, you know, towards those third, fourth, fifth rounds. So, 
she's had success in the past, you know, in those rounds. So I, I wouldn't say, oh, you know, she's she's always getting tired. No, I just think against a pressure fighter like Wei Li and someone who's physically strong, it's gonna be it's gonna be taxing on her cardio, yeah. keeping that that pace and that rhythm. So uh, that's a fair you know fair estimation. You're really you know trying to look and say, do I think that Rose will end the fight? Or do I think Wei Li will, you know, either end the fight or take it to the distance? So. Yeah, I would say it's. I think Rose is going to beat her. Ooh, there you go. I think Rose going to. I think Rose stops her in the first before the first three rounds. Ooh. Yep. I'm a Rose fan though, so. Yeah. So you, there you go. What was yeah. your take on her comments this, about the uh, communism thing? Stupid. Absolutely stupid. Just leave him alone. Well, okay. Let's hold on. Let's just break this down to its most basic form what can Wei Li Zhang do about where she's born what can you do about where you're born what can Rose do about where she's born yeah. we're born where we're born and the country that we are born in is the country that we're normally raised in now some people it's different they're, they're, they move out and they go to different places but you know Wei Li Zhang was born in China raised in China and to sit there and to say, you know, you know, she has a say in anything there. Yeah. Come on. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's so. like saying, does Rose Nama Yunus have a say in anything here? No. You know, I don't I don't I don't bring nationalism into this that kind of stuff. It, it's you know, if the fighter themselves, if she, if Weili Zhang is you know saying something, you know, because I'm Chinese and because I you know, and, and from China, that makes me better. Okay, you want to say something then, but I've never heard that from her. Yeah. So I'd like to just keep it all out of sports. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> just keep it out of sports. Uh, I, I look at I look at it this way. Okay. I'm colorblind when it comes to people. I don't care. I don't care what nationality, what skin color. It doesn't matter. Are you a good person or you a bad person? Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's exactly. Simple. Yep, I treat everyone the same. <laughs> like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Uh, uh, then we go back to the other fight. Then you've got Jessica Andrade fighting Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, what's the what's that? That is plus three hundred for Jessica Andrade, and you know that's not a bad bet for Jessica. Yeah. If if you're looking, you say I'll put fifty dollars down on Jessica, so you know I'll win hundred and fifty bucks if uh, if she wins, you know, because she has the ability to. I don't think it's going to happen, but I always look and say if an under, you know, the underdog has the ability to win, you know, with certain things. All right, I might put money down on it. John might have just talked me into putting a thousand dollars down. <laughs> Let's go. Let's don't go. do it. Stop. I just think, like I think Valentina. I feel like she's at that stage right now. She seems like she's getting a little bored. Better not get bored with Jessica. That's my point. Like her last performance didn't look all that great. She, no, but I think that's the reason she's going to really put on a performance in this one. I think so. She's going to have to, because I think Jessica Andrade with that power, she's going to try to walk her down, try to get her. Yep. To, I don't think she will take her down. She, if she does, she. I don't know if she'll be able to hold her down. That's the other thing. If Jessica Andrade can take Valentina Shevchenko down and hold her down, I don't know if she'll be able to do that. But yeah, I, I think she's she, she definitely, especially after you watch what you know Jennifer Maya. 
Yeah. Jennifer Maya took her down, held her down. That's true. It was the second round. You know, so if if Jennifer Maya can do it, I believe Jessica Andrade can do it too. She's super strong. She's got a good ground game. So her ability to do that is there. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I just look at overall Valentina is just the overall more skilled fighter. Yeah. So I got you. All right, go ahead. Next one. All right, let's jump into this fucking sinking fucking the debacle. Oh my god. Let's just talk about the fucking promotion itself. It's what a, a joke. Fucking shit show. <laughs> so I'm dumb. sorry. Here's the thing. We I you hear what their budget was for their production? Oh, it was like two well, million. Two million dollars. And it looked shitty the whole time. <laughs> Cameras were fucking filming the ropes at times. It no, was, the fight the fight is going on and, and they're freaking looking at the stupid fucking commentators. The the fight was going on and the fucking camera pans to where the rope is. So you see like the fighter's head and you see like his shoes. And the rest of it is the rope, the black rope in the middle. I was like, this is this is the worst two million dollars spent on fucking anything. Ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I'm sure somebody in the comment section will find a an article that someone spent two million dollars on something stupider, but it'll be but this, it was it was bad, John. The whole show was bad. I don't care about all your singers and your whatever else that came out. It was ridiculous. And you know who I felt the most bad for? Al Bernstein. Oh. He like he's gotta be thinking and he, he was laughing and joking about the contact tie, but he's gotta be thinking. Fuck man, what are you? Dude, just sitting next to Oscar De La Hoya would have gotten you high. It's horrible. Are you kidding? He was freaking blasted. I'm surprised they let him talk that whole fight because he was he was just doing the commentary for the Frank Mir fight. I'm surprised they let him talk that long. Like just it was it was in one in a couple times. Pull up the balloon. This is the this is the the highest level of boxing on Triller, and I was like. You've got and nothing is Frank Mir, but I think Frank understands he's not at the highest level of boxing. Well, and they also said that this was the fight of the decade between uh, Jake Paul and Ben Askren. You go, really? Wow, boxing's <laughs> dropped that far. But that's what I was trying to say a couple weeks ago. I said this is how shitty boxing has become. You know, um, people paid forty-four dollars or forty—I don't know what fifty, fifty bucks for this, forty-nine dollars. Yeah, I paid. I paid it. Did you? <laughs> I was like, how did you pay it? I sent you the stream. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> I was like, how did you pay for it? Um, Yeah, it was the whole thing was a total shit show. I don't know what they paid Beaver and they paid all the other people that came out and sang. and But I'm sure they paid them pretty well, you know. And so when I look at things like this, this show, I don't think will be around for I give. What do you give it? Another I give it another two shows. Well, you know, they made a lot of money on the first one. And this, this is what I said, is you made a lot of money on the first one, but you didn't make it because of, oh, you're, you were incredibly just gifted in your production or something like that, or because it was so cool because of the music, music and the fighting. You're not doing anything new. No. Affliction did that back in 2007. Okay? If you recall, they had Metallica playing in between fights and stuff. So there's nothing new, and they had you know other people, and it's a matter of your fights are horrible. Okay, they're really bad. 
at least Affliction had great fights. They had great matchups. So I look at, you know, you, you made money on the first show based upon Mike Tyson. All right, you had Mike Tyson. There are people of you know, my age, your age, that had seen Mike Tyson fight when he was young and said, hey, I'll pay to watch Mike Tyson fight again. And there's people that had heard about him that had never seen him fight that said, man, I heard this guy, I, I got to watch him. And they would pay to watch Mike Tyson fight and especially pay to, when it was Roy Jones Jr. But, you know, the if you were counting on, you know, Jake Paul carrying this boat here, and, you know, all the people that follow him. Well, all the people that follow him are the millennials of the world or the Gen X or whatever they call the new things. And those are all the people that live on the Internet, and they don't buy anything. They steal it. So I would really like to know how many people stole your 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 feed and how many people actually pay for it because, yeah, people watched your show because I'd be one of them, but not many people paid for it. I don't you know. stole it because I stole it with you. Bless you, baby. <laughs> No, it just, you know, it is what it is. I, like, if people are going to keep buying it, they're going to keep buying it. But I doubt the amount of money that they're spending on this. You have to think, Bieber is not cheap. E-40 is not cheap. All the other rappers that were there are not cheap. And they're hemorrhaging money. Your production was that bad for $2 million. And it was it was horrible. I mean, and then the announcers that you had, look, I don't have anything against Mario Lopez, and I don't have anything against... But the Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live guy, he's oh. a joke. Like he belongs on Saturday Night Live, not doing calling fights. You know, there was no. You had you had. I don't know if he was just high or if he was drunk or whatever it was. But Oscar De La Hoya, he oh. sounded ridiculous. Yeah. He, it was it was. I felt embarrassed for him. I and I, I don't even know him. Don't care either. But I'm just saying. I, I was there was moments there. Was it got past cringe to almost feeling like it, I was embarrassed and sad for him. I'm like, man, and you're announcing, sounding like this, you're announcing the fact that you're fighting. I have zero desire to watch you fight now. None. And I was a huge fan of his, man. I loved watching oh, his yeah. fights. Man, I loved watching him fight. He's a great uh, boxer. Yeah, but just absolutely not, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Just this this type of shit is not gonna it's not gonna sell. And if this if it continues to sell, if it does continue to sell, this is where boxing is headed then. Total shit show. I feel bad for all the real boxers that are out there, you know, because, you know, real boxing is taking a hit as well. Yeah. You know, and this right here is, is a fucking circus show. What did Ben say? Ben's like, everyone loves circuses and something else. You know, they, they, everyone loves fights and circuses. Well, guess what? You get them all in one night now or some shit like that. That's exactly <laughs> what this was. Well, I, I'll give, I, I will give Frank Mir credit. Frank actually came out and tried to fight. And I, and I said, I thought Steve was going to end up knocking Frank out, yeah. but Frank, he fought a good, you know, a good six rounds with him. I thought he won one of them. I thought he won the fourth round, and uh, you know, really, hats off to you, Frank. Nice job, you know, because you're you're not a professional boxer. You're an MMA guy, and, and you are older. And Steve is not even as old as you, so I thought he did good. You know, one of the things that I that's cracked me up was you've got this giant promotion with all this money. And you, you used the Georgia Athletic Commission's people. And I don't want to say anything bad about them, but the Askren fight, okay, you, this is what happens when you have a small-time referee making small-time decisions. And when I say small-time decisions, Ben Askren was up before there was 
even the count of eight, all right, and was given a lot of extra time because the guy was trying to keep Jake Paul back. And this was the first round. There's a lot of people paying money for this fight. It's not a little regional grassroots fight where you have a four-rounder where someone gets knocked on the ground and you don't want someone to get hurt. You make decisions based upon, okay, I realize the situation that we're in. And to stop the fight, no. You don't stop the fight now. You don't just hand it to Jake Paul that way. Yes, Ben got hit with a shot, but Ben was up, and Ben was ready to go. His hands were in the right place, all the things. And you, small-time decision. It was really bad. You need If you're going to have a fight on you know, that people are paying for, then bring someone that understands what it's like to referee a high-level competition or a big show. It was bad. Yeah, this was not a high-level competition, John. This was a no, big show. I'll call it a big show because the budget was... You you look look at Ben. He's sitting there going, ready to go. This guy goes, you know, walk to me, goes towards him. He stops the fight. It's like, oh, my God. I think he forgets that Ben walks that way no matter what. No shit. That's the other thing. Ben's not graceful on his feet. He he walks like a duck anyway. Yeah, like you... You (laughs) Oh, Ben. Oh, man. This guy's fucking... I mean, like the next question is, who does he fight next? He'll Someone pluck. else that's not a boxer. He'll pluck some guy out. Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll keep on. You know, he's got this whole thing where you know they're backing him, so he's gonna try to pull out another person that doesn't box, and try to make something of it, and then to act like he's just so special, so good. It's a joke. Oh man, but this is. But if you're if you're a Canelo Alvarez or if you're, you know, a Terrence Crawford, what are you thinking? Well, it, it's not. If you're Canelo Alvarez, you go, I don't give a shit. I make way more money than you. Okay. But if you're one of those guys like uh, Errol Spence or Terrence Crawford, where, you know, you're in that position, you make good money, but you're not making that, you know, Canelo Alvarez money, that Floyd Mayweather type money, that kind of thing. And you're seeing this guy making big money. You go, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. It's I bring I, I really do feel like with if you have people like Snoop Dogg finding money backers to back this shit, yeah. it's gonna start making boxing a joke. I mean, boxing's already taking a hit right now, and I want to get like I don't want to get into it, but I want to get like people want to people are so convinced like and then we've had we've had Nate Corey on the show, we've had John Fitch on the show, the Ali Act's gonna save box MMA. No, no, it's not. It's gonna make it like this. It's gonna make it. It's, it's. It's not gonna make it like this. No. It's not gonna. You're not gonna get what you think you're gonna get. I think they have this expectation, like all oh, these guys are gonna make money. No, no, they're not. You know, we've got 13, 14 fights on a card now. Well, this show had like five. You know, and sure they made good money, but now you're. What about all those people that are on the on the undercards? They're not gonna have a platform to go to anymore. And then, and then they're they're not like their their idea is that the UFC is a monopoly. It's not a monopoly. There's the PFL. There's one. There's Bellator. There's LFA. There's they're not a monopoly. No, so, they're just the biggest promotion. Yeah, like I don't. Someone, and if it wasn't the UFC, someone else would be in that position as the biggest promotion. Yeah, I, I just I get tired of going on the Twitter and seeing all this. Is when I had the comment the last week about if you guys want to get fighters paid more money. 
Start promoting other organizations. That's really support, what support support the other organizations. Support the other athletes support that are in the sport. Yeah. And I'm not saying that because everyone's like, oh, well, you work for Bellator. That's why you're saying it. And if you were working for the UFC, you wouldn't say that. No, I actually would still be saying that. No, because no. then you wouldn't be working for the UFC because they don't let you say that. Yeah. <laughs> True. Because here, look, I work for Bellator, but I we talk about one. And I tell you, I gave you, you know, Eddie Alvarez was fighting, Demetrius fighting. I liked him if he asked you, and I watched his fight the other night. You know, I, I like watching Christian Lee fight as well. I watched that fight. Yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna continue to talk about MMA on this on this show. Well, and that means all of the platforms. Anthony Pettis is coming up. You know, uh, Lance Palmer's coming up. We're gonna talk about the PFL. You guys gotta you guys gotta start not just talking about them, but like get on your social media and say, hey, Pettis is fighting tonight. Let's you know. Let's get it all together. Start talking about that stuff. The media doesn't cover them at all until the week of the fight. Yeah. You know? Where's the media slurping up on the UFC, which is fine. I get it. They are the biggest promotion. They, we can go ahead and say that. But the other thing, though, is that the other, if you want to make sure that fighters are getting paid more money, stop getting on Twitter and complaining about, you know, the UFC. That's all I see. Like, you know, John Fitch is my boy, but all it is is it's a continuous... Like, there's never anything positive about anything else. It's just negative about the UFC. Hey, do something positive on your social media. Get on there and start saying about, hey, Eddie Alvarez is this damn good. Christian Lee is this good. Patricio's a fucking animal. Logan Storley is this good. You know, uh, Yaroslav Amosov, Douglas Lima. You can go through these names. Demetrius Johnson, like, Lance all Palmer. these guys. Just start Lance Palmer. You know, start talking about these. What, uh, Chris Wade. Start yep. talking about all these other fighters and these other organizations and just start pumping them, man. Like, and you'll be like, oh shit, there's, there's another guy over there that I like. There's another guy over here. that's really good. That's, that's the way to get into the UFC's pocketbook. You're not going to get it the other way. All you've done now, they've taken the money away from sponsors. If we start doing that, and I'm not just talking about just Bellator, I'm saying do that for every promotion. Now that those promotions are making more money, which means what they can afford to pay fighters more money. Because the next thing I'm going to tell you guys is those other promotions, they have to pay more to get the fighters to come to them because yeah. those the, the most fighters want to try to get to the UFC. So they're already getting hit. And then when the fans are when you when other fighters don't support the other organizations, you know, especially the ones that fight in those organizations, you're only hurting yourself. You know, because if you do, if you do lose and you wash out of, say, you know, Bellator or PFL or whatever it is, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna go to the UFC, and they're not gonna pay. If you ever do go, they're gonna pay you peanuts, and they know that. So if you want to make money in any of the other organizations, you know, for me, when I went to Bellator, I went because it was a family atmosphere for me. You know, I'm really good friends with Rich Chow, really good friends with Mike Hogan, really good friends with uh, obviously you, you know, and and uh, and Coker and everybody else that worked for him. So I went there because I, that's exactly, I could have went, I could have went to one. One was, was interested in me. I could have went to, it was called World Series of Fight. I could have went there also, but I chose to go to, to Bellator because that's where I had, I felt like family. You have to develop that. I think for other fighters, you have to figure out where you would like to call home and go there. You know, DC, DC left when he left Strike Force. He went to the UFC. He found his home. He likes well, it. He didn't leave Strike Force. They bought well, him. But they he was bought and they had his contract. But so. I'm saying he he made it feel like home. He's got a nice little family type atmosphere there. You know what I mean? But he can do that anywhere. But that's, he likes it there. You know, and he's successful there. And I, I tip my hat to him for, for being that person. But my point is, is that guys like Nate Corey, guys like John Fitch, other guys that sit on the internet and just bitch and whine and cry all the time about the UFC. 
it's it sounds it just it sounds it sounds not helping your cause. But it sounds you sound like a bitter old fighter. And not helping your cause. You know, and you're not helping at all. It's not at all. It's like, yeah, but we have this class action lawsuit. I get it. But in the process of that, why don't you guys try and help the other organizations build up their platform as well by pumping it out there and making and then start putting pressure on the media to talk about the other organizations so the fighters can start making money also in those organizations. That's the biggest thing. Like being negative all the time on social media is not going to get us anywhere. Doesn't matter what it is, whether it's politics, whether it's fucking and negative and anything's not gonna. Yeah, be negative and anything. So it, the reality is that it, you they have to we have to start getting off that shit and start you know and if you're gonna be on it, pump good shit, and that and that's and that's gonna start helping the other promotions grow so they can start paying the other fighters more money. Anyways, that's my rant for the day. That's a good rant. I like it. Good, good. <laughs> I mean, am I right or am I wrong, John? What do you think? No, look, you're right. And this is the whole point. To, to think that the Alley Act is going to change something for fighters. It'll change certain things. They'll have more of an idea. It'll change it for the big guys. The John Jones will have a better outlook on exactly how much uh, he's making compared to what the UFC's making compared to what all the other fighters are. Because they have to have an open book about you know the the percentage that the promotion is making compared to the percentage that the fighters are making, but that's always for the top guys. And in boxing, it's no different. You have the top guys making a ton of money, but there's very few of those top guys. You know, everyone thinks that overall boxers make more money than MMA fighters. Overall, if you're looking at all of them, no, the MMA fighters actually make more money. MMA promotions pay more money. Than boxing promotions, especially when you're talking lower level fighters. So it's not going to be this thing where it's going to just change things automatically. The ranking system. It's a ranking system. But the belts for MMA are different than the belts for boxing. Belts for MMA are promotional. Belts for boxing are sanctioning bodies. The WBC, the WBA, the WBO, the IBF. Those are all sanctioning bodies that the boxer ends up having to pay money to out of their purse to have that sanctioning body actually sanction the fight. So, you know, when you see a boxer and you see there's a $200,000 sanctioning fee coming out of the fighter's purse, that ain't funny, man. That's real. And all of that you know, is money out of the fighter's purse. So, yes, promotionally, the belt for the UFC is just the UFC's belt. It's not a world title. People associate the world title based upon they want to say that, okay, that we think the UFC is the best. Okay, we're going to say that's a world title. Okay. Bellator's is a promotional belt. One's is a promotional belt. All of those, you know, that that's never going to change. So if that goes to the Aliak, yeah, it'll change. Now, instead of having promotional belts, you'll have the sanctioning body thing. It's not going to change anything. Well, I just, for me, I felt like in it's the 14 fights you had. Like, we had 14 fights this last show for Bellator. Mm-hmm. Okay, you go to a boxing format, sure, you'll have the, the main event and maybe one fight below that will be making five, more. Six, five, six bouts. Yeah, but you'll have five or six bouts. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that you're willing to take the food out of out of those people's mouths and they're out of their households, the other, you know, eight, eight other fights that were on that card. Yeah. 
You know, and I mean, you're talking eight fights, that's 16 fighters that you're taking off at the car that can't feed their family now. Now, and don't get me wrong, look, I get it. They can do something else. But that's not what they got into this for. No, that's, now, they, didn't get, now, they didn't get into to do something else. They got into it to be a fighter. Yeah, then now they're going to go to some, some hole in the wall at the fairgrounds and fight in that organization, potentially get hurt with no insurance. The promotion won't pay them. All because we want to implement something. Look, the UFC has done, the UFC, MMA, all the whole promotions have done something different. This is something different. You guys see something better. You know, you think you see something better because now later on, after you're done with your career, I don't know where you're at financially. I don't know where you're at, you know, mentally and all those things. I don't know that. And I know it's different for every fighter, but we all made the choice to get in there. Well, the one, the one thing that the Aliak would help with for fighters is if you are that champion, you know, every time that if you're the champion in the UFC, every time you fight, your contract is automatically extended based upon the contract that they have. So you are always in a position where if you win the fight as a champion, you still owe the UFC three fights. So you fight the next fight and you win, you owe them three fights. Mm -hmm. Okay, It just stays that you owe them three fights. So that would have to change. Under the Ali Act, they wouldn't be able to do that. That contract would not be able to, do, to yeah. uh, continue to expand. Whatever you sign for, you sign for you know three fights, you become the champion, and you only have one fight left. You can either, they can either try to sign you to a new contract that extends it, but they can't just automatically add it because yeah. that's what the contract says. So there's there are good points about it. There's things that you know I think would be fair to the fighters. I understand. I, my my I guess my main point on this whole situation is is if you want to help the fighters, get off the internet and stop bitching and whining about it, okay? Because I look, I get the class action lawsuit is there, and it's in the process, okay? But complaining about it every single day on, on Twitter and social media and everything like that is not going to make it go any faster, and it's not going to make any change. How about you start helping the guys that are actually in the, in the females that are involved in other organizations by helping them make money? And the way you do that, and the same thing goes, too, for all the fighters that say they're in the UFC, and they lose a fight or two and they go to another organization, you know, like you're helping them as well. So it's, don't just look at it in terms of like, Oh, you're just saying it because you work for Bellator. No, I'm talking about all the organizations. We talk about one. I pumped one, you know, we talk, I'm going to talk about PFL when, when, you know, when, when those when they start up, when they start back up, yeah. you know, we're going to, we're going to continue to talk about all these organizations, you know, um, the it's, I just want to make sure that, you have to look at it from a, a positive. I have to want to look at it more in a positive way of how we can help everybody by for like trying to put pressure on the media to start covering all the organizations and more than just the week of the fight. And that's the hardest part. You've got to get the media involved and you're going to do that by more people talking about it on social media. You know, you start talking about the fighters you want to see and that'll happen. You know, and then the media will start covering them. Well, this kid's the up and coming kid from the LFA. This kid's the up and coming kid from... You know, the PFL, he just took it by storm, whatever it is. Yeah. You, don't, you don't get that right now, you know, and and that's the, that's the shittiest part, you know. Like like guys like Yaroslav Amosov should have been talked about three years ago, but he wasn't. And that's the shit, like to me, that's the shittiest part. It's like how do you have a guy that's 25 and 0 and, and still even right now to this day is still not getting any love. Yep. It's like, so it, it baffles me. It baffles me. But uh, that all starts with everybody, with all the fans, and not just the fans, but also the media doing their fucking job. 
You know, yeah. more, than, more than media. The fans just you guys be fans. I'm just saying, but it know, is the media doing their job. Fans. Well, it, the the one thing that's really weird is you know if you if you look at the the a big difference between boxing and MMA is though, boxing no one gives a shit if it's Golden Boy or PBC or Top Rank or any of these. No one gives a damn what promotion is promoting the fight. Do you care what promotion is promoting a Canelo fight, or do you care about Canelo? That's all. That's why Canelo went to the zone. And I just went to the zone to watch him. That's, That's it. right. You know. So the fact that fans in the sport of MMA basically segregate themselves into one promotion says that our fans are just not that educated or intelligent about the sport of MMA. They're segregating themselves away from a lot of great talent. Sounds like politics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, well, hey, let's talk a real quick. There's one news article that we want to talk on, and that was the Jeremy Steven, uh Drocker Close uh, situation where he pushed him at Wayans. He had a server that caused Close to get a cervical sprain as well as a concussion. So he said he had some numbness down his arm. They sent him to the doctor all night to get that worked on. Nothing came about it. I mean, where do you put this with Jeremy Stevens? With the promotion? I mean, how fucking mad do you think they are? I think they're a little upset, but I don't think it's something that uh, there's two sides to it. Now that it occurred, I think the UFC is going to start saying something about, hey, we cannot have someone put their hands on another fighter without there being repercussions. There's going to be, you're going to have either financial repercussions, something is going to happen based upon this incident. Now, Jeremy Stevens. Is the they didn't position. get that memo for John Jones in DC. Yeah, well, <laughs> again, that's the whole point. You can go and look at that situation right there, and they, I'm sure they said, you know, they, I'm, I bet they said, hey, you do not fight. You know, you fight when there's money on the line. You don't fight for free here. You're not getting paid. And I'm sure there's something that they've you know talked about with fighting. Jer- Jeremy looks at you know the push is is that fighting? No, it's a push. Well, there's going to be this thing about you don't put your hands on your opponent. And because, you know, do I believe that Dracar Close had a problem? Yeah, I believe him. You know, and it's it's weird that it happened. And it's, you know, it's kind of good that it happened in a way. You know, I'm just being honest. You know, I, I feel bad for him. But if he was that close to being injured and it was that push that kind of snapped his neck and caused this pinch of a nerve or things to happen and to have this problem, I'm glad it happened with the push instead of him being in a fight and him being picked up and dropped down, you know, and it occurring that way. So, well, I look at it maybe like it was they're coming off the weight cut. Yeah. You know, they're doing their face off whatever it is. I know there was some time between that and the real weight cut. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but regardless, he's probably not fully hydrated yet. He probably hasn't had more than one meal or like a quarter of a meal. You know, he slowly put the food back in you. His body's probably seizing a little bit. His muscles are a little tense, and they're definitely dehydrated still. So all that push did was give him a quick whiplash. Yep. No water in his brain because he's dehydrated. So he just got. It was like a perfect storm. You know, yeah. you don't think you're not gonna. You don't think you're gonna do a lot of damage because it's just a push. But the reality is, is that when you're depleted that much, it's more than just a push. Bad things can happen. Bad things can happen. So. We found that it's a shitty situation for both. I think uh, 
But if you're Jeremy Stevens, you know, I don't I don't know if people remember, but Jeremy was uh, during that press conference long ago, the, the red panty night mm-hmm. with Conor McGregor press conference where they had all the fighters and Jeremy was kind of sitting behind him. And that was when Conor said, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. Do you recall? Because Jeremy goes, he says, I don't TKO people. I knock them out. And he's right. He's being honest. <laughs> you know, he's being truthful. Well, now Jeremy can say, dude, you don't want to mess with me. Look what happens when I push people. Yeah, this is true. This is true. No, he's got, yeah. I mean, it was just really just caught him off guard, I think. Yeah. You know, and just the situation at the time. I wasn't prepared for it. Either that or Jeremy pushes a lot harder than Jake Paul because Jake Paul not only hit Ben to the body, he pushed him. Not a problem. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, we're going to wrap this up. It's, uh, what, four in the morning for John? Yes, it is. One, it is one in the morning for me and uh, Podcast Dave. And um, okay, so we hope you got, hopefully you guys enjoy the show. Sorry, we sound a little grumpy and tired tonight. I snapped at uh, uh, Podcast Dave for not doing his job, but um, my apologies. But it was uh, not to you, to the fans, because I mean, not to, not to Dave, just to the fans. <laughs> Here, Dave, I'll tell you, he's sorry. Yes, yeah, that's my way of he saying it. Be sorry. He, he knows that. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed enjoy the show. Hit the thumbs up. Also hit the little uh, bell on the bottom right corner. Share our videos out. Please post us, tag us. Also, the and still is going crazy. God bless you guys. I've had fun with it. And I want to remind the world that you guys have such an impact on Aaron Hawani that he unblocked <laughs> Dave. He unblocked oh, I didn't know that. It. Yes. He just unblocked me. Yeah, he just unblocked me. So. He got pressure. So just so you see. He's so this, easy. <laughs> this feeds right into what I was just talking about, supporting the other organizations. You guys went out there and you guys supported us against uh, Ariel in D.C. And now, look, Podcast Dave is friends with Ariel. Uh, I kind of want to just test it on this now. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you? Really? Again, yeah. So, um, but hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. I know we're a little tired tonight. We've got a lot going on, but there's a lot of news to cover and uh, we will be back for our midweek show. And John, what you got? Yes, we will be back. And thank you. One thing, guys, go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Get our shirt, especially our brand new Cinco de Mayo that you can wear coming up. It is coming up here the 5th of May. It's a gorgeous looking shirt of red, green, and black. You can use the promo code and still... Get 20% off on that shirt. We appreciate everything everything you guys do for us. Appreciate you wearing our stuff. Send us a picture. We will post it. And other than that, I want to say, see ya.